On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about maybe a question your kids have asked you, Monty. Why did Johnny get to do that and I can't do it? After all, everybody else is doing it. Yeah, and a lot of people are using that in religious uh, circles as well, looking to others and justifying what they're doing because of, well, they get to do it. And then the flip side is if you can do something that isn't authorized by the Scriptures, why can't I do something that I want to do that's not authorized by the Scriptures? And round and round we go, and where does it stop? It really doesn't. Uh, we're down a slippery slope, and so we're going to ask the question, if you could do that, why can't I do this? And we're going to get started on the virtual Bible study right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August 9th, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My uh, father, Greg Gwynn, is in Michigan preaching tonight and in his absence monty overton sitting in his chair monty welcome to the program thank you jacob it's good to be here and behind the controls anthony petrachko is here anthony welcome hey good to be here you got to do two jobs tonight we want you talking and running the board there for us so, all right yeah get ready and we want you to help out as well in the chat room tonight at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com in the chat room they're filing in there donna's in north central florida Donna, thank you for joining us tonight. What part of North Central Florida are you in there tonight, Donna? And uh, if you want to sign in with your locations, uh, we'll do a little roll call there. We'd like to hear uh, from you in the chat room. And uh, more importantly than just where you are, we want to hear your comments and your thoughts along these lines uh, tonight. And if you want a bumper sticker, we'll remind you those bumper stickers are free. All you need to send us is a snail mail address, and we'll get one in the mail to you so you can help us advertise the program. If you don't have one on your car, you need one. It's making your car look a little better there, Monty. My car can use all the help it gets, but I've got one on the car and one on the truck and two on the camper. All right, so we're ready to go. Uh, Tonight, we want to look at really a logical question. A lot of people are doing uh, some things that are unauthorized. Lots of people are doing unauthorized things. And if you do something without scriptural authority, then you have just sold the farm, if you will. You've just opened up the floodgates. If you're able to do something and you can't go to the scriptures to say, here's why I'm doing this, then you have to logically accept anything that anyone else would do, no matter how radical it is, is our position on the program tonight. We're going to look at some people who are doing that, and they're using that justification to justify doing things that are clearly not authorized in the Scriptures, in fact, even condemned. They're doing them because, well, other people are doing that. Uh, A lot of folks are unwilling to accept those consequences, but that's the logical conclusion of going down this road of acting without Bible authority. You know, I think an example of that we see... In the past, there's, there's different denominations have taken up using instrumental music in their worship. And they have what we would consider a uh, traditional instrumental music in their worship. Well, then another generation comes along and wants to have a rock and roll band in the worship. They say, oh, no, we can't do that. Well, why not? It's still instrumental music. Well, yeah, but that's not right. Well, right. what's not And they, they play in this game back and forth. But realistically... The person that's wanting to do this more contemporary music has as much justification for what they're wanting to do as what the other one did. That's what got me thinking about this uh, topic, Monty, is because there is a controversy right now in the religious world yeah, in this uh, contemporary uh, versus uh, conventional or traditional worship service. And you'll see churches that they're so divided on it that they have two services now because, well, the old folks don't like the contemporary stuff and... 
the young folks want the contemporary stuff, and so, well, now the church has two services, a, a contemporary and a traditional worship. Well, there are folks who are adamant about the fact this contemporary worship is not good. In fact, there's folks who maybe even embraced the, the contemporary worship at one point, but now are starting to have doubts about that. Uh, a blogger on the uh, on the internet voiced concerns, said, "I'm afraid we've strayed far from worship for the sake of entertainment. I, of all people, believe God, the Creator, made us in His image. He created us. He, the Creator, He being Creator, made us creative." However, there's been a recent burden of what our worship services are becoming. In an attempt to compete with the world's presentation, we have flooded the church with lights, stages, and performances. For I'm, uh, I'm all for creative expression, but what happens when the production overshadows the praise? That's uh, Ann Brock, a, a blogger on the Internet, who's starting to wonder, is this worship, has it gone too far? Are we, are we doing something we shouldn't be doing and our answer to that question is it went too far when you left scriptural authority for what you're doing in your worship service. Not just some, it's not some arbitrary line that you may draw it one place, I might draw it somewhere else. We have to draw that line where the scriptures draw them. You know, and it's not about feelings or what we like. It's about what does the Bible say. That's exactly right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeu.com. Or in the chat room tonight, you know anything uh, that people are doing out in the religious world that's extreme that everyone would say has gone too far? want to hear from you on the program tonight. Earlier this year, back in April, uh, an Atlanta church added aerialist to their worship services. Do you guys know what an aerialist is? I don't think I did until I read the email. Yeah, it's a... It's a gymnast who's, who hangs from a rope or a, they put pieces of fabric down from the ceiling and they wrap themselves up in that and go way up in the sky and then they drop down and spin around and do all these moves. Well, there's a church in Atlanta now that's adding this. is from ChristianPost.com, an Atlanta pastor who announced on social media that he plans to make performances by aerialists a regular part of his church worship, church's worship service has raised concern among some critics who believe the gymnast might be too distracting for the public. The pastor, Apostle Brian Meadows, who founded Embassy Church International five years ago, made the announcement on Instagram on April 9th, where he posted both photos and video of an aerialist performing at the Christian conference during a worship service. He wrote, At Embassy City, fully, uh, Embassy City plans fully plans on making aerialists a full part of our normal worship experience. We endeavor to create a culture driven by the creativity and character of Christ. Uh, and so they're going to use these aerialists, and they are scantily clad women who hang from these ropes from the sky and perform all these tricks. Now, if that's accept, not acceptable, on what grounds is it not acceptable? And do you condemn yourself when you say, ah, that's a little too far? Having this circus act, basically, in services, that's too far. On what basis? If you're going to accept your contemporary rock music or instrumental music of any sort, on what basis are you going to condemn this guy adding the aerialist to his church service. Now, notice how he justifies it. He justifies it. Regarding, reacting to critics, Meadows defended why creative people like aerialists should be allowed to demonstrate their talent during worship services. This is what he said, quote, because they shouldn't have to go to the circus to use the gifts that God gave them. The church should be able to create space so that everyone can use their gifts to glorify God. So he basically admits this is sort of a circus act that we're doing in our worship services, but they were given these gifts by God, so they shouldn't have to go to the circus to do it. That's how he's going to justify it. He's not going to the scriptures to justify it, just saying, you know, this is the way it ought to be. And he says people may be distracted for a couple of weeks, but they'll get used to it. If people can get used to all the other foolery that happens in church, I'm sure they can get used to somebody genuinely trying to use their gifts to worship God. So he admits... He's justifying this because, well, other people do it. Other people do that, and that's foolery, and he's right. It is foolery. You can't disagree with him He's on that. right. So if they do that foolery, why can't I do my foolery? 
again, if you're going to give up your uh, demand for Bible authority, you've got to accept crazy things like this, honey. Well, you know, you can't argue with that. And, you know, we think of uh, ridiculous things like, I mean, to us, seems ridiculous. There is ridiculous, like aerialist. But we know of a congregation not too far from here that ha- uh, they do indoor fireworks sometimes, and they have set up a ring and do bull riding in their assembly place, right. which right. I haven't seen their place. I don't know how they pull that one off. Yeah. But they do bull professional bull riding. I mean, they got a rodeo going, and all in the name of worship. So I mean, if they can ride bulls and shoot off fireworks, why can't we have aerialists? Uh, and churches are doing all kinds of things, <clears throat> aren't they? Meeting in bars, uh, doing other crazy things, and uh, well, yeah. Where's your no. ground to stand on if you're going to say that that's wrong? Right. I mean, I think that's, you know, the underlying factor here is that, you know, it's just human reasoning instead of, you know, what does the Bible say? What does God actually ask us to do in form of worship versus what feels good to me or, you know, what what do I think I should be able to do or what is going to bring in more people? You know, a lot of these things, these innovations are, uh, you know, to try to get more people in the door. Right. Um, you know, and, and back to this a person in Atlanta talking about people using their gifts. Well, certainly we should use our talents to God's glory. We should use all of our life to God's glory as much as possible. But, you know, again, where does that end? You know, what about somebody who's a, a talented uh you know, uh, I remember we had a guy who was a who played pool, who shot pool, and I believe we had him on the on the virtual Bible study several years ago. Pool, it was pool playing preacher. Okay, and he yeah. Would go around and use his amazing uh, billiard skills to as. Or do you remember the guy that was in uh, mixed martial arts and oh, they were beating right. each other up? Other, uh, they were beating each other right. up for Jesus. Yeah. Right. Well, and, so well, now, well, you know, where are you going to draw the line? Right. So it ha- there has to be an objective standard, an absolute standard. It can't be what what I personally think is okay, because as we said, in that case, anything goes. So you know, um, people ridicule us, though, Monty. When we say we've got to have Bible authority for all that we do, all that we teach, and all that we practice, you guys are just legalists. You're you're patternist, and what other you know other derogatory terms that? Why are you guys so concerned about Bible authority for all that you do? We're concerned about it because if we if we yield on that matter, then we've got to let all of this foolery, to quote the preacher in Atlanta. Come into the church where there's no there's no stopping it. If we don't have Bible authority for everything we do, we can't demand Bible authority for anything that we do. You know, in other areas of our life, we understand authority and going by a pattern. Uh, we're trying to build a house now, and hopefully we're going to get it done one of these years. But initially when they started framing, and the first day we went out there and they had some stuff up, and Tina looks at it and says, those windows are in the wrong place. Now, we had drawings for them to go by. They should have been able to determine that those windows in the wrong place. But we had them, the drawings, to go by, and we expected them to put the windows where they were dimensioned out on that drawing. I mean, we understood authority there. They didn't have the right to go rearranging the windows. We wanted them where we wanted them, and we gave them blueprints to that regard. Well, why would we expect that God would be any different in that regard? Uh, If he's told us, for example to sing in our worship but didn't include any mention of instrumental music in it, why would I think he would want an instrumental music played in the worship Yeah. when he said sing? Because we can sing just fine without that. All it's right. not like it's a necessary thing in order to accomplish the singing. So that just using that example, we understand authority or a blueprint or a pattern or, you know, you could have said about my wife, well, she was just being a legalist by not wanting that window in the middle of a, a T-shaped wall or something, you know, someplace else. Well, she's just being legalist. No, she had something in mind. She wanted the windows put in these places because that's what appealed to her right. desires. Absolutely. But people are using mm-hmm. justifications, and we'll talk about that on the other side, how flimsy they are and how they just don't work. If we, again, don't go to the Bible and demand it for all that we do, then we have opened the door to, well, as the apostle Brian Meadows in Atlanta has done, added the aerialist. We're going to get your thoughts, so we want to hear from you in the chat room tonight. 877-381-4567 is the toll-free line to use. The line is open and ready for you. We're going to get a break, and we'll get back. We'll continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this.
There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Misconception number 56. The folks at College View Church of Christ aren't led by the Spirit. They're afraid of Him. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is, there is not a single thing we do at the College View Church of Christ without first getting the Holy Spirit's approval. Granted, we don't have healing crusades, miracle ministries, or slayings in the Spirit, but we refuse to do anything without Holy Ghost guidance. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College View Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. A man can't go anywhere while he's straddling a fence. When the character of a man is not clear to you, look at his friends. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program asking the question, if you can do that, why can't I do this? The Atlanta pastor Brian Meadows said, if people can get used to all the other foolery that happens in church, I'm sure they can get to used to somebody genuinely trying to worship, uh, use their gifts to worship God. In other words, hanging from the ceiling half-dressed, uh, performing circus tricks. He admits that they are circus tricks, and they're doing it in their worship service. you got a problem with that. On what basis do you have it? If you are doing things in your worship service that you can't find authority from in God's Word, you're in the same boat as uh, this Brian Meadows if you can't go to the Scriptures to point to where God has said this is what he wants in worship. But a lot of people are justifying their worship. Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, I like it. It's what I like. And that's how they justify it. Well, this music, I like it. I, I think it, it really helps me worship God. Riding bulls might do that for somebody else. Fireworks inside the auditorium might do that for somebody else. Somebody hanging from the ceiling on a rope might do it for somebody else. Are you going to tell them they're wrong? You're justifying your worship by saying, well, I like it. On what authority are you going to condemn someone else? When you're going to say they've gone too far? You mentioned a minute ago that people refer to us as being legalist. But I think as we study the Bible, we can see that God is a legalist also. An example that came to my mind about that had to do with, I believe it was Achan in the Old Testament. When they went, when they went in and conquered Jericho, God told them to leave, not to take any of the stuff. Now, you know, the plunder or the spoil from, the, from that battle. He said, don't, don't get any of it. Well, this, I believe it was Achan was his name, uh, he's seen a piece of some silver and a little bit of gold and a fine Egyptian garment. And he's probably thinking it ain't that big. And it couldn't have been that much because he was able to smuggle it out somehow without other people seeing him. So it couldn't have been a whole lot of stuff. But anyhow, he's seen it and he wanted it, so he took it because that's what he wanted to do. Well, the next battle they went to, they got beat because of, because of this, because he had done something God told him not to do. He violated God's instructions in the matter. And so it's the same thing with us. If you want to call me a legalist, okay, I'm, I'm happy with that because as well as I can tell, God is a legalist. And so if I'm being like God in that matter, then I'm okay. Or whatever term you want to use, they might mean it as an insult, but I'll accept it as a compliment because I think that's how God expects us to be. All right. 877-381-4567. God has always expected his people to follow the instructions that he's given and uh, follow the patterns that he's given. And we need to be doing that in our worship to him uh, today. Well, someone might say, well, you know, if we do this, if we can get somebody, if we could talk uh, somebody into hanging from the ceiling on a rope and doing these acrobatic tricks, well, we could get a big crowd in. And I right. think that's probably what this guy in Atlanta is going for, Anthony, is yep. uh, this will bring them in. Right. And, and that blogger that you referenced, too, you know, really hit the nail on the head talking about this being entertainment. Basically, we've... Mm -hmm. We've created the, this entertainment atmosphere, and the focus is not on actual sincere worship. It's on what you know, what gets me excited, or keeps my attention, or you know, is sort of whiz bang stuff that makes me want to come back for for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right? So you know, in that situation, it's why am I going to this worship? Is it because I'm wanting to do what God wants to do, wants me to do, and I want to glorify God. Or is it, if I really look inward, is it really because it's fun or entertaining? That's exactly right. In John chapter six, Jesus had fed the five thousand, a phenomenal thing. It was drawing a crowd. Lots of folks were coming. In verse twenty-six of John chapter six, Jesus answered and said, "Most surely I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled." 
Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal upon him. People were coming to, for, for carnal reasons. And Jesus said, you shouldn't be doing that. You ought to be more interested in the spiritual. And if we can't say that this aerialist hanging from the sky is an, a carnal attraction, I don't know what, what else you, how else you could describe it. And that's the wrong reason to get people to come to church. Yet people are doing that uh, all over in basically every denomination today. People are using the carnal, it seems, to draw people in to church. And if that's all they're there for, you know, if I've heard it referred to years ago. Someone's talking about uh, a fellowship hall type atmosphere. You know, they're providing food. If you show up for worship, and I've seen advertisements where congregations here and there, they've got into that. And they well, we'll come on such and such Sunday because we're having dinner on the grounds this Sunday. You know, after worship, we'll feed you. Well, if that's what it took to get them there, that's what you're going to have to keep doing to keep them there. All and right. when the food runs out, they're going to be gone. Okay. Or what are the entertainment? You know, when the aerialist runs out. When she falls and breaks her neck. When she falls and breaks her neck, that's so much for that. Yeah. Or when the fireworks don't work so much no more, or maybe they get misdirected and go back into the audience (laughs) or the bull gets loose, you know. So if entertainment's what you're using to draw them, then that's what you're going to have to use to keep them. 877-381-4567. Now, this music issue is a big one. You you talk to people about the music, and I asked a guy not too long ago, I said, where do you stand on this contemporary and traditional music question? He, he thought instrumental music was okay. He said, well, you know, I think that God just has to be glorified in our worship service. and that, So that's the line, that we got to glorify God, and obviously we do. So you, you, you have to decide then, does this music, does the rock band, is it glorifying God? Or is, it, is, the metal, is the music too much on, towards the heavy metal genre? Or does it, is it too, you know, where do you draw, you, as long as it glorifies God is his response. Well, back in Leviticus chapter 10, we learn about uh, the the story of Nadab and Abihu we're all familiar with, where they offered strange fire. Notice what the strange fire was. It was what God had commanded them not. So God hadn't given them instruction. In uh, chapter 10, verse 1, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and it devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Nadab and Abihu are dead. Their dad, Aaron, uh, is there. Moses says to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. Now, the answer that a lot of people are given in this music question is, well, you do what you, you got to, the, the, the line you got to draw here is that God's got to be glorified with the music. Well, God tells us how he's glorified in Leviticus chapter 10. He strikes Nadab and Abihu dead for not obeying his instruction by doing what he hadn't told them to do. And the result was he wasn't regarded as holy and he wasn't glorified. He struck them dead and said, you guys don't do that. When you come before me, you got to regard me as holy and you got to glorify me. And the way you do that is by obeying the instructions that God has given. And strict compliance. I mean, this this example here seems to me that he was expecting strict compliance. He had told them how he wanted it done. They varied on it in one small aspect, and he struck them dead over it. You know, that same kind of idea is why uh, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land, because God had told him to go and speak to the rock. And instead, he went and and said, must I get water from this rock for you? And he hit the rock twice, and then water, God still provided the water because the people needed water. He was taking care of their needs, but he told Moses, because you didn't give me the glory, you're not going into the promised land. He didn't say, must God give you rock, water out of the rock? He said, must I do it? And so we have to be giving God the glory, and we do that by obeying him. We do that by obeying, Anthony. Right. Uh, we're not the ones, I think, who decide how God is going to be glorified. Well, we're worshiping ourselves if we right. make up the rules, right? right? It's what I like. It's what I want. Mm-hmm. Well, who's the worship for? Are you worshiping God or are you worshiping yourself? And obviously people are worshiping themselves. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm sure the intentions are, 99% of the time, the intentions are good. Right. Uh, but it's just, again, God is the one who... He tells us how to glorify him. It's not up to us to decide 
um, you know, the specifics of how to do that. Um, so, you know, a rock band or just instrumental music at all. Well, it sounds beautiful and, um, you know, all, there are all kinds of justifications could be given, but it, if it's not what God asked for, then it can't possibly be glorifying him. God is a spirit and they worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. John 4, verse 24. Monty, that's fairly clear, or very clear, that God expects us to worship him in the way that he's prescribed. You know, he goes on and says that his word is truth. So if we're going to worship in truth, we're going to worship by what God's word has said, not by how I feel about it or how I think about it, but what does the word say about it? Whatever the subject is about our worship or about our service to God in any aspect, it's what does the word say? And that should be good enough for us. Because it's like where it says that in Leviticus, again, God said he must be regarded as holy. If we regarded him as holy and respected him like we ought to, we would want to do it exactly we'll like he asked for. Do what for. he said. We're going to not put ourselves up on that plane. We're going to do what he said, and we'll leave our wants and our desires out of the picture, out of the equation. Back in First Samuel chapter 15, we know the story of Saul and uh, his instruction to go and destroy the Amalekites. And he did, for the most part, but he didn't follow all the way. He didn't kill everything. In verse 15, or verse 13 of 1 Samuel 15, Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I performed the commandment of the Lord. But the Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? Saul had not obeyed exactly like God had instructed him. And God wasn't happy with that. And Saul's excuse in verse 15, Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said, Oh, well, it's okay. Hey, you want to worship God? That's great. Just as long as you glorify him. As long as it brings glory to God with that sacrifice. And, hey, if it brings a big crowd, if a lot of people come to the sacrifice, that'd be even better. And I, I, I always liked a good sacrifice. Let's do it. No. In verse 20, Saul said, to, uh, uh, Saul said to Samuel, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord, gone on the mission which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, uh, the best of the sheep, the uh, best of the things which they should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Verse 22 of 1 Samuel 15. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. It doesn't matter that we just want to call it worship and want to expect that God's going to be happy with it. What God wants is our obedience, and that's how we worship God. Yeah, that's a, you know, I've read that many, many times, but just in this discussion tonight, it comes more clearer that, you know, it's not the act itself that is glorifying God. He's It's the obedience, like you just said. He's saying, you know, God wants you to obey him. It's yeah. not the act that you're carrying out in and of itself, uh, you know, in that case, the sacrifices aren't in themselves glorifying God. It's the fact that you're doing what I asked you to do. You're submitting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, in, in verse 18 of First Samuel 15 here, uh, he starts out, Samuel tells him, The Lord sent you on a mission. Then in verse 19, Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? So God's given us things to do. Why are we not obeying the voice of the Lord? Whatever aspect of our worship or our service to God it is, he's given us instructions and why would we want to do it differently? That's what Samuel saying. Why did you do something different than what God told you to do? Yep. In Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 23, notice what God says about people that they were worshiping him. But just because they wanted to call it worship didn't make it pleasing to him. He wasn't happy with it. In fact, in verse 21 of Amos chapter 5, God says, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not uh, savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. He said, I don't want you worshiping me like this. I don't, I hate it when you worship me this way. They were not submitting to God. And just because they might want to call it worship didn't mean that God would just Mm -hmm. fall over and say, well, that's the best thing I've ever 
ever had you done know, for And me. the fact that he mentioned sacrifices and fat offerings and peace offerings, what they were doing was probably similar to what God had told them to do, what he what he had commanded them. But it wasn't exactly what he asked them to do. So he said, if you can't do it right, don't do it at all. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we are going to take a break, and when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Got an email from Kent that we want to get in uh, tonight as well. Uh, so we'll get a break, get this week's bullet point, and we'll continue the discussion right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Glenn with this week's bullet point. A habit is, by definition, quote, a tendency constantly shown to act in a certain way acquired by frequent repetition. Of course, some habits are good, bathing, brushing your teeth, and so forth. But unfortunately, some habits are bad. These are the ones we need to change. We call it breaking a habit. It's not always easy, but it is necessary. Some folks have developed certain bad habits in regards to worship and Bible study assemblies. They constantly show certain tendencies that they have acquired by frequent repetition. Consider some of these bad habits that folks need to break. First, being late. Everyone will be late occasionally. Things may happen that cannot be anticipated, and these can result in one's being late. However, some folks are always late. This is nothing more than a habit, and it can be broken. Make up your mind to leave home earlier and arrive before the services begin. You really need to be here at least 15 minutes early. Doing so will allow you to meet and greet visitors, encourage your brethren, take your seat without a frantic rush. These are not trivial matters. What if everyone followed the habit of these perennial latecomers? Our services would be in total chaos. If you have this habit of being late, you need to think about the seriousness of it. Second, sleeping. Again, anyone can get drowsy in the course of a service. We've all done that. But some folks do it all the time. Unless there's some physical condition you can't control or some medication that you must take that has this side effect, you need to break this habit. Be well rested before you come. Taking notes will help keep you alert. Follow along in your Bible. Do what it takes to stay awake. And then there's talking. We often think of the young people when it comes to whispering, passing notes, and so forth. Certainly, they need to pay attention and not engage in such distractive activities. But we've seen older folks, some who don't even realize that their whispering is so loud it can be heard by everyone. They talk and chatter right through the service. This needs to stop. And then there's playing with the babies. We love babies. They are cute and fun and a pure joy to be around. However, during the worship services and Bible studies, there's no time to be playing with them. Your close attention and participation is needed in the service. And the little ones need to be taught to sit quietly on mom or dad's lap and not be a distraction. Some folks need a time out for this baby playing behavior. And also the parading to the restroom. Again, we know that some people may have medical conditions and others may have an unexpected emergency that requires them to go out during the services. But we're sure that some are in the simple habit of doing so. We recommend that you take care of such matters before services begin. There should be only a few who, if they will do this, cannot sit through an entire service without going to the restroom. And parents, we especially urge you to coach your kids in this regard. Too many young folks are steadily streaming out and in. When they do so, they get nothing out of the service themselves, and they produce an annoying distraction for others who are trying to concentrate. And then there's rushing out at the end of the services. There are certain members who are in the habit of almost running out the doors as soon as the final amen is spoken. A few others won't even wait that long and leave before the service is even dismissed. What's the hurry? When you hurry out, you miss out on the opportunity to associate with your brethren. You can draw strength from them and be an encouragement in return. Sadly, some people hardly know anyone else in the local church. This is not only a bad habit, it directly circumvents a part of God's plan for the local church. And so, hang around. A good rule in regards to all these bad worship habits is to ask yourself, what if everyone did as I do? Sadly, if we all followed the practices of certain members, we'd never get started on time. You wouldn't be able to hear anything over the talking, snoring, and giggling babies. There would be a line waiting to enter the restrooms, and there would be a stampede to get out at the end of services. How's this week's bullet point? Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we are back on the program. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Our meeting times and locations are at that website. Come and worship with us and find out more about what we believe and what we practice. We're committed to doing what the Bible tells us to do in worship. We're not making up the rules. We're not doing what pleases us. We're doing, we're striving to do what pleases God and do what he has instructed us in our worship. If you're interested in that, we would encourage you to come and worship with us. We ask about this 
pastor or preacher who said that um, if they can get used to the other foolery that happens in church, they can get to use to somebody trying to use their gifts to worship God. We ask if that's a logical reasoning. And uh, Kent responded in his email, and I think he's maybe taking a little different slant on this. Monty, I, I think it's logical. If there is other foolery going along and people are swallowing that, why can't they swallow this foolery? There's really no, it, it's logical, I think, to Well, say, the logical conclusion is if this other is okay, then what I want to do is okay, too. Yeah, That's right, logical. Right. If this without Bible authority mm-hmm. is okay, then why isn't this without Bible authority okay? Where do you draw the line? But Kit takes a different angle. He says, this preacher's reasoning is neither logical nor scriptural. The issue is not getting used to foolery that happens in church. The issue is respecting the authority of Christ as revealed in the New Testament. I'm not charging uh, the, the consequences of, of the implications of that statement of this preacher upon him. He may not accept the consequences of his position, but they still nonetheless exist. However, we all need to consider what the implications really are. One, the statement implies that one need not be concerned what God desires in the worship assembly, and two, that there are no consequences to sinful and foolish activities. He is, in essence, implying that it is acceptable to commit sin because others are also doing so. And, well, that is that is what he's saying, but he wouldn't see it that way. He'd be justifying if that based upon, well, they're doing it, why can't I? But you're absolutely right, Kent. If they're doing this without authority, then looking at others doing the same thing, or other things without authority, it does not make it acceptable. Only the Bible will make it acceptable. And then we ask the question, do you know of other extreme uh, things that are going on uh, in worship services today? He said he recently learned of a local church in Alabama that used circus types of performances in their building as methods of teaching for their summer VBS program. Same idea. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think vacation Bible school programs have been around for a very long time, and I'm not dismissing them or calling them into question summarily across the board, but I do think that as a potential, those programs have a a great potential to be, uh, you know, to introduce some things that that may not be authorized. There's a lot of temptation there to try and be entertaining for the children. Right. And, And you know, it's just, it's the wrong type of message. Yeah. Uh, So just something to be careful about. Yeah. Thanks. I think absolutely. Um, and then uh, we mentioned some of the other things, the bull riding, the rodeo uh, services, the cowboy churches, the biker churches, mm-hmm. uh, fireworks inside. I mean, where do you draw the line? Well, the churches in the beer halls that we yep. talked to that preacher one yep. time. Yep. If one argues <laughs> that instrumental music and worship is acceptable simply because I like it, they must, uh, must they logically accept the addition of aerialists or other such activities in worship was a question we asked. And to that... Kent added, there is no way one can abandon principles uh, abandoning New Testament authority regarding worship or any other work of the local church without also, by implication, endorsing any and all types of sin and error. And that's true. When you open the door, you better be prepared to let anything go. Thank you, Kent, for your email tonight. So what we did uh, in our email also, we asked about another trend and that is in the matters of doctrinal teachings. A lot of people are using the same type of justification for doctrinal teachings, that, well, we accept this, and that's against the Scriptures. Why can't we accept that? We've, we've given in on this subject. Why should we give in on that subject? People are doing it in the denominational world. Uh, people are doing it probably closer to home, Monty, where we, we're starting to swallow hard and accept things that we shouldn't accept because, well, we've accepted other things in the past. Or other people are accepting that. Why can't I accept this? Author and preacher Ken Wilson uh, began to accept homosexuality. And in, in explaining it to his congregation, he wrote this to them. How could I say to the remarried couples whose second marriage was clearly condemned by the plain meaning of Scripture... You are welcome and wanted, while saying to the two mothers raising their adopted child together, I love you, but I hate your sin. He said, we accept people disregarding God's instructions on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We say that sin is okay. So I was being inconsistent, and I've decided that I need to start allowing those who are homosexual 
Well, at least he's honest with himself he, on his inconsistency. He's consistent. <laughs> but he's, he's basically saying, we allow that. Why can't we allow this? And if you're going to disregard Bible authority, as we're saying tonight, if you're going to disregard what the Scriptures teach on something, to be logical, you've got to allow everything, anything and everything. Yeah, he's sort of he's sort of you know laid it open there. He's saying, "Look, I I'm raising I'm raising my hand on this. I, I you know we've been inconsistent." So he's he's acknowledging that once we've accepted A, we have to accept B through Z. He's admitting it, right. just like the guy did with the aerialist said we were accepting other kinds of foolery. We need to accept this foolery. This guy's saying we've accepted other sins. We've not listened to what the Scripture said on these sins, so we've got to accept these other sins. He's being logically consistent, right. we think. So the answer is, well, you need to go fix that. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> right. It is amazing that he couldn't see that, well, we ought to go back and take that, a tougher that stand What should on have been his logical conclusion is we've, we've accepted things, as in his words here, clearly condemned by the plain meaning of the Scripture. Uh, so to fix this, we're not going to accept that anymore. Yeah. We're, if it's clearly condemned by the scriptures, we're drawing a line in the sand here and saying, I clearly admit that I've been wrong in the past on this subject. I was sinning. I'm not going to do it anymore. We're not going to accept these simple practices, and they're not going to be in good standing here. Yep. Right. That would be the logical conclusion in the way Kent was talking in his email. That would be the logical thing to do is we haven't been pleasing God, and logic dictates if we want to go to heaven, we're going to start pleasing God. All right. Ken, uh, Kent says in his question about this, he says, Kent Wilson's reasoning is a bit more extreme than the first situation that we discussed. However, it's based upon the same logical fallacies and the same sin and error, namely the rejection of both Bible authority and teaching. And he, he is. Uh, but it illustrates, and in the extreme, it illustrates... What many people are doing today, a lot of people uh, want to explain away certain teachings that they don't like. Maybe say, "Well, those those are cultural." Maybe you know the 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 role of men and women in the church and in society. Well, that was cultural back then. We don't have to listen to that anymore. Or teaching on divorce and remarriage. Oh well, we don't like that. Uh, that doesn't seem reasonable to us. How could God expect someone? Uh, to to not remarry. Well, the, w- the way that one was explained to me recently was God understands situations. Okay. So when we start to do that, when we start <clears> to say, well, I know what it says, but I think God would be okay with it in this situation. Because they're so happy now. So you got to give anything. Got You've thrown open the door. Right. Right. Uh, or their family money. I would normally accept that, but their family, so I'll swallow hard and it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. If you do that, then you've got to let anything and everything go. Uh, we asked the question, do you know of any other examples of people teaching and accepting things that are clearly condemned in the Scriptures? Kent said, virtually any doctrine and practice that does not comply with New Testament teaching. There are those who would never accept Wilson's position regarding his views on homosexuality because of having strong moral convictions, but they think of nothing, or they think nothing of disregarding uh, what the Bible teaches about salvation, the nature of the New Testament church, the organization, the work, and designation regarding that of the church. This is especially true regarding situations concerning unauthorized marriage, divorce, and remarriage with reference to heterosexual couples, and so Kent sees folks compromising in those areas as well. And um, we've got to understand that uh, that we're no different than these other extreme examples when we reject uh, Bible authority. Um, your thoughts, Monty? Well, it, it, I have to agree completely. It, it doesn't really matter what subject we talk about here, whether it has to do with an unscriptural marriage or a homosexual couple or anything like that. God's been very clear on what he expects on us, of us in every aspect of our life, whether it's our worship to him or our service or just our life in general. And when we, what it all boils down to, we put our desires ahead of God's desires. Yeah. You know, I, I really want this, this relationship. I wasn't happy in my first marriage, so I really I like this new person, and I really want to be in this relationship with him. So then we start making excuses because we're putting our desires up on the same level or even above God's. And we need to get over this excuse-making. We need to get over 
this idea that I'm really so important that what I want is equal with what God wants. What I want is really next compared to what God wants should be inconsequential. We've got too big of a, too much self-esteem going around here. We used to, I've heard Greg talk about before people uh, having low self-esteem and that used to be a big psychological whatever. And, but we've got too much self-esteem. We got, we put too much emphasis on ourselves and what we want and what makes us feel good. We need to conform our wants and feel goods to what does the Bible say. Yep. All right. 877-381-4567. When we get back, we want to talk about another area where people do the same, and that is in justifying themselves. A lot of folks, maybe probably us, from time to time have looked at others and said, well, they do that. It's okay for me to do this. Or, well, I'm doing just as good as them. I'm doing all right. Or I might not be just right, but I'm doing better than he is. Yeah. Is that the same as these folks justifying their other actions because of all the other foolery that goes on in church or all of the other sins that we accept? Are we making the same uh, logical fallacy? Are we opening the same door up in our lives? We're going to get a break. We'll go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. Are you sure that the Bible said something, but you just don't know where? Is your salvation based on a passage that you know is in the Bible, but when asked, you couldn't find it? Do you do things in worship, but you couldn't turn to a book, chapter, and verse to show that God wants you to do it? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to overcoming Bible Deficit Disorder in the metro area by teaching the Bible. The whole Bible and nothing but the Bible. You are invited to attend our worship services on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Join us in the fight against Bible deficit disorder. Attend one of our services for a healthy dose of the Bible. That's at the College View Church of Christ. Please don't give in to Bible deficit disorder. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. There are more than 6.1 million Mormon adherents and 13,600 congregations around the world. The largest concentration of Mormons is in the United States, and it's in the mountain region of the West where more than 5% of the population is identified as Mormon. That information is via the Huffington Post. The Word of God says in 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. All right, we're back on the program tonight. We looked at uh, some of these amazing statements that people have admitted that they're not doing what God said to do, but uh, that it's okay because other people are doing it. Uh, We asked the question... um, if one justifies the re- disregarding the clear teaching of Scripture because I can't see how God would expect that of someone, must they logically accept any condemned activity that others find unreasonable to condemn? Kent says, one cannot scripturally reject the extreme case of Mr. Wilson's reasoning without also condemning the biblical justification for their own sinful practices. And we agree that is the case. Now we want to drive this close to home as we wrap up tonight. Are we doing the same thing? Are we looking at others as the basis of our justification rather than the scriptures. Are we looking to others and saying, you know, they're doing worse, maybe money, than I'm doing, or they're doing the same thing that I'm doing, and so therefore it's okay? Yeah, we we, we compare ourselves a lot, don't we? I mean, we're in our society, we're always we're trying to keep up with the Joneses or... You know, oh, well, you know, they just got a boat. I need a boat. You know, we're we're always uh, have that tendency to compare ourselves in all areas of our lives. And so we do the same thing spiritually. We do. It's such a it's a it's a tendency that we have. Right. And and we may not be looking at people in the world for justification. Anthony, we may be looking at people that that we worship with in the local church. My priorities line up with his. So they must be all right. I yep. do. The, we do the same things for entertainment, so must be okay. And he's a really good guy, so you know, I'm doing. I'm like him. Yeah. Are we doing the same <laughs> thing? Uh, Paul in first or second Corinthians chapter ten verse twelve says, "For we dare not make ourselves of the number who or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not wise to use others as your standard." We've got to use the standard of God's word. He goes on there in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 10, 
um, and says, um, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, uh, let's say, let me get in the right spot here. Um, um, for he, uh, for not he who commends himself is approved, verse 18, but whom the Lord commends. We've got to make sure that we've got our authority and our commendation from God and his word. And a lot of folks are applying this same flimsy reasoning to their own lives, Monty. We've got to make sure that we don't fall into that trap and because it will sneak up on us. You know, I might think someone's a really great guy, and I might think he's following the letter of the, the Bible just exactly like he's supposed to. And so I, he's a great guy, and he's doing what he's supposed to. I'm going to be just I'm following like him. him. I'm following him. Well, that guy may be wrong. Yeah. He might be a great guy, but he might be wrong. Right. Uh, so we've got, if I think someone's a great guy and I want to pat, I need to compare his life to the scriptures. Yeah. If, if there's some attribute about him that I feel like I need to emulate, notice I'm throwing big words out tonight. That is a big word, Monty. <laughs> but uh, you, if, you, if that's what I'm doing, I need to make sure whatever this is about him that I want to copy. It's just like what I'm reading in the Bible. Yeah. You know, Paul said, told Timothy, you follow me because I'm following Jesus. So really he, what he was saying, you can follow me, but I'm going by what Jesus said. I'm not going by what I think. I'm not going by what I want. I'm going by what God said. And so that's what we've got to do, too. That's right. Um, Kent, in our e- his email, uh, we ask him, what areas of our lives are we tempted to apply this kind of reason? He says consistency is an area that many find to be very difficult to practice. The reason oftentimes is due to the fact that even we who are conservative thinking in our views and want so strongly to be right, which is indeed an admirable desire, that we may be tempted to allow subjective thinking to be the determining factor rather than objective truth. This is not always a premeditated or planned desire. However, it can happen in spite of our desires because we forget to place Bible teaching above preconceived thoughts on any subject. This can happen in any area of our lives if we fail to give consideration in light of the Scriptures to relevant issues. I like the way Kent said that, is, uh, that we've got to make sure that we're basing our uh, our standard on the objective truths of God's Word. Right. It's the same theme we've been touching on all night in all of these situations. If we don't go back to the Bible, to the Scriptures, to find out what God wants from us and how to be pleasing to Him, then anything other than that, we're we're uh, fooling ourselves in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we ask that question: if we justify our actions because we can find others doing the same or worse, is there any activity that we could logically could not logically condemn, or could logically condemn? And he says, uh, Kent says, if the cons- consequence of this, it is if the consequence of this fallacy of thought places one in a position where they cannot really condemn or oppose anything, and that is true. You know, if we're justifying by our actions because we can find somebody else doing something worse, I've heard it said before, there's really technically only one absolutely worst person in the whole world. And so that one person probably couldn't find some, can't find somebody that's doing worse to justify itself. But the rest of us, compared to that guy, we're all doing really good. It opens the door for everything, doesn't it? That lets anything in. That's exactly right, as we've been saying all night long. And so we ask the question in conclusion. What's the only solution to the chaos that exists today as a result of people not demanding scriptural authority to support their beliefs and practices? It's really a simple answer, isn't it? And Kent uh, in Georgia says the only solution to this chaos is to seek Bible authority for all things, Colossians 3, verse 17. And we know that passage very well. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do. And that's not just our collective practices, Anthony. That's everything we do. We need to be confident from the scriptures that we have authority to do that, that God approves of what we're doing. Right. And I think Monty mentioned earlier, you know, the Bible tells us what we need to do in every aspect of our lives. It's not limited to telling us how to worship God or um, or just sort of quote-unquote church things. It tells us how to live every aspect of our lives. And so... Um, you know, that's if we're not standing on that, if we can't go to the Bible and justify and show authority for what we're doing, whether it's personally in our lives or in a worship assembly or or whatever, then then we're we're back into this chaotic situation where, well, what you say is just as right as what I say. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, I, I pulled out some old notes from Tom Moody. Uh, some folks may know that name t- t- uh, th- this afternoon or this morning. Uh, 
as he was addressing this idea of needing to have Bible authority for all we do, he strings together some verses here that really uh, do make the point. In John 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So the truth is what's going to make us free, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. In verse 17 of John chapter 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so truth's going to make us free. It's going to sanctify us. That truth is the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Faith comes by hearing that word of God. Romans ten seventeen. so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're going to be sanctified by truth. We're going to get set free by truth. That truth is the word of God, and the only way we can have faith in that is if we hear it and believe it. In Romans 14, verse 23, we read, And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So if I can't do something by faith, then it's sin because it's not truth. So if I didn't read about it in the word of God, if I didn't hear it directly from the scriptures then it's a sin. That's right, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If I can't go to the Word of God and say, I believe that I'm doing what's right because it says right here in black and white, then I'm committing sin, Lonnie. Colossians 3.17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We've got to make sure that we have scriptural authority for all that we do. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Lonnie, we know that passage as well. Uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We have everything that we need in the Word of God. It's there. It will set us free. His Word is truth. It will set us free. And if we do anything outside of the realm here that's listed in God's Word, then we are acting without faith and we are committing sin. An important part, I think, in this last scripture, Second Timothy 3.17, it talks about the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If it's a good work, we'll read about it in the Bible. Yes. Uh, if we're, then, you know, that's a lot of people want to say about certain activities they get into and they say it's in the name of their religious practice. Oh, but it's such a good work. Well, where's it at in the Bible then if it's a good work? Yeah, The Bible's complete to every good work. Uh, if we can't read about it taught in the Bible, then it's not a good work. We might like it. It might be something that appeals to us, but it's not a good work if we can't read about it in the Bible. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I just think actually coming from a, uh, from a denominational background it, as, when I was younger, you, you know, people just, I don't know that most people even consider the idea that we actually need to go and read the Bible and see what God tells us to do. I think it's just this sort of, uh, to use maybe a buzzword, this idea of groupthink. Yeah, you just yeah. go along with, you're just going along with the crowd, and you're not questioning it. Um, and there, you know, you just go show up on Sunday, and you just participate, and you go along, and you know, you're not really. There's not really an effort to try to look to the Bible to justify really much of anything, um, was at least that's my experience. And, and we, we've elevated ourselves <clears throat> to the point of we're now the standard right? rather than God and his word. Right. And I, think, I hope what we've shown tonight that if we don't go to God's word and we don't demand authority for all that we do, then you've got to let everything go. Homosexual marriage, you've got to accept that. Aerialist in your worship, hanging from the ceiling, doing gymnastic stunts. Got to accept it. If you're going to be consistent, and any sin that you can name in anybody's life, if you're using others to justify yourself, they can do the same. You've got to accept any sin if you don't demand Bible authority in every aspect of our lives. Final thoughts, Money. Well, that's just really all it boils down to. We've got to decide, are we going to worship God and go by the authority that we find in the Scriptures, or are we going to worship ourselves and do what makes us feel good? All right. We encourage you to do the former, to go back to the Scriptures and uh, demand authority for all that you do. And that's what we're committed to here at the College of Church of Christ. And if you're interested in doing the same, we would encourage you to come and find out more about us and check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, for our meeting times and locations. Anthony, final thoughts from you tonight. 
No, I think it's a, it's just a good reminder that, you know, once again, maybe another perspective on the idea of authority and just reminding us that without appealing to the scriptures, then it's, it's truly chaos uh, like we see in the larger religious world today. So, um, so it's just it's not workable in the long term it is not thank you anthony for being here tonight and helping us out and uh, monty thank you for your time thank you jack thank you for joining us on the program tonight i hope you benefited from our study and discussion of god's word hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study his inspired word the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.